Good morning. I'm up here to introduce 20. 20. There we go. I'm up here this morning to introduce our speaker for today, Andy Keck, who is from the Riverside Christian School in Lost Creek, Kentucky. He's the director of development there. So please welcome Andy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you, guys. Um, you may want to question that clapping at the end of the service today. But I do appreciate your welcoming me here today. Sorry, I've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, I'm used to going around talking about Riverside, not necessarily going around talking about just preaching, so this will be fun. Um, but uh, like Scott said, I, my name is Andy. I am from Riverside Christian School. Lived in Kentucky, born and raised. Um, just a few things. If you plan on going down, I think you guys are planning on coming this summer. And thank you guys that went down last summer. It was a blast having you guys there and you did some good work. And we can't wait for you to come again this coming summer. Um, but just a few things you might need to know about the culture of Eastern Kentucky. Um, I didn't bring my slide that has where, where Lost Creek is located on the map, but I found, you know how Michigan people can do that with their hand? You can do that with Kentucky as well. I figured that out. So you can just make a Kentucky that looks kind of like Kentucky, and we're right there, boom. The heart of southeastern Kentucky, that's us. Um, but in southeastern Kentucky, if you go to any kind of uh, barbecue or church function, you're going to have soup beans and cornbread, all right? That's a staple down there, soup beans and cornbread. I see some of you guys enjoy it, right? But the cornbread down there, my parents are from Indiana, and we got that sweet, almost cakey cornbread. I love it. Down there, they cook it in a skillet. skillet. It's salty, and it's dry, and you take a bite, and moisture disappears from your body, just like that. <laughs> but you're going to get it in eastern Kentucky. Soup means and cornbread. Nothing in eastern Kentucky is done in the morning. I don't know why, but for some reason, they chose to substitute in with of. So if you're down there, you like a good cup of coffee in the morning? Nope. Down there, you like a good cup of coffee of the morning. We, I like my coffee of the morning. That's how they say it. And just so you know, it's pronounced Louisville, okay? If you live in Kentucky, it's pronounced Louisville. And here's a little joke you can get your friends on, whatever. They got me on this when I was little. Um, how do you pronounce the capital of Kentucky? Is it Louisville or Louisville? You know now that it's pronounced no, Frankfurt. Yeah. <laughs> some of you got it. Some of you knew. See, they, I got, they got me on that too. I can't say nothing. It's Frankfurt. But that's a good one you can get your friends on. Uh, anyway, and, and they're sad. They're still depressed that Kentucky lost the first game. They're still weeping and all that. But that's okay. It happens. But just a little update about Riverside. I can't come up here and not talk about it a little bit. Um... Oh, go like that. I knew I'd mess it up, Tom. There. Nope. <laughs> I told you. Oh, one too many. Yeah, no, sorry, I touched it. <laughs> I'll do it. Tom, thank you. He knows what he's doing back there. I'm going to mess it up. Okay, so you know we had the flood, right? about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Uh, we're still recovering from that. It's not something that's completely out of our minds. 
um, there's some work that's still going on. Uh, so if you come this summer, we may be still working on some of the flood damage. Uh, this is one of the hallways we haven't even touched yet. Um, it's still got subfloor, all that needs to be replaced. There's, I think, three total classrooms that need to be redone this summer that haven't been touched because of the flood. And then we're getting some long-term damage because of the result of the flood. So this was a, a, a doorway that we actually fixed but you know the price of lumber is really expensive, so we, we tried to save as much subfloor as we could, and we dried it. Apparently, it wasn't dry enough, and so it's starting to break, and we're getting big bows in the floor, and so just a lot of problems with the flood. So we're still do, dealing with that um, at the school. So that's still ongoing. We did, however, last time I was here, I, I know I said one of our needs was the heating and cooling. Praise the Lord, we raised the money for that. Thanks to donors like you folks that helped us get this. And so these are going in to all the classrooms are going to have these. And hopefully we'll have it up and going before school is over with. That's the, they told us they'd have it before Christmas, but you know how that goes, right? So those are going in. Hopefully that'll be up and running and they'll have heat and cooling in all the rooms. It'll be efficient. It'll be nice. So that's a praise. And these are our kids. 70 kids going to Riverside this year. And so we're so glad to have them, yeah. <laughs> Learning about Jesus. And we have a new staff member. I don't have her picture up here because you know her. Rachel Starnes is at Riverside. Yes. And we're so glad that she came and she's doing phenomenal. The kids love her. She's fitting right into the community. and It's been such a blessing. So thank you for sharing her with us. Like you had anything to do with it, right? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. We're so glad that she's there. Um, but let's get into uh, this, this sermon today. It comes from Luke chapter 17, if you want to look it up, verses 11 through 19. And we're going to be talking about love today. And you're going to be like, what does this scripture have to do with, with love? Well, we're going to talk about it. Okay, let's get into it. Let's just go ahead and read uh, the word this morning. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back and praised God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were there not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, rise. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word um, that you give to us, that it's alive and active. And if we... Um, really study, we get into it, we make it part of our lives, that it will change lives, it will change ours, and it will change others. And we just pray, Lord, that we be doers of the word and not just hearers only. We love you, we thank you for this scripture, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so that's the scripture, it's a story we've probably all heard before, we may not know it real well, we've probably heard it referenced at least a little bit. But one thing that love causes us to do is love will always cause you to do the unusual, right? Love will make you take maybe some norms of society and turn them on their heads. Jesus is a tremendous example of that, and he gives us some examples in 
these scriptures here today. Now, I couldn't decide on a title, whether it was loving the unlovable or loving unconditionally. You can decide for yourself. But we're going to talk about love. Now, the first, I need to apologize because the, the first version that I read of this in a different, not the NIV, it said that Jesus was traveling through Galilee and Samaria. This says on the border, so I apologize. But the first thing is Jesus didn't care who you were. That's the cool thing about Jesus. He didn't judge anyone based upon their political views or where they came from. If they're a hick from Kentucky, right? Jesus didn't care about that kind of thing. And so here we have uh, the kingdoms, if, if you want to know like, what, what it looked like in Jesus' day. All right? Jesus was from up in Galilee, and Jesus was traveling down to Jerusalem. Now there's a problem, right? What's in the middle of those two things? <laughs> Samaria, right? So Jesus was on the border. He was somewhere in the border between Galilee and Samaria. Now you probably know this, and if you don't, you will now. The Jews hated the Samaritans. And I don't, I'm not exaggerating in saying that. They hated the Samaritans. The worst insult you could possibly give a Jew was to call them a Samaritan. That is like, you know, we have unspeakable words you don't call people, right? To them, it was like the S word. Don't use the S word. Don't call anybody a Samaritan. How dare you do that? But Jesus was going on the border of uh, Samaria and Galilee. And if people wanted to travel to Jerusalem, a good Jew would go all the way around Samaria, take the long way, cross Jordan, go over into that green section and back over. That's what they would do. Not Jesus. He didn't care about that. Now, these are just some of the reasons why the Jews hated the Samaritans. I didn't know why, so I looked it up. For one thing, the, the nations at some point were divided into two. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom made themselves a new capital. They said, heck with Jerusalem, we're making our own one. It's called Samaria. Boom, that's where we get our name from. They then said, we're going to make our own worship centers in Bethel and Gath. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to put big, giant, golden calves in front of them. And the Jews in Judea were like, whoa. Because you know how, how they felt about golden calves, Moses, Aaron, the whole thing. We don't know what they were used for, but we know they put them up right away. See, it just starts building after one thing after another, one thing after another, right? Then when the Assyrians took over the northern kingdom, they let all these pagans in. And guess what the Jews that were living there did? They married them. They weren't supposed to do that. And then they started worshiping their gods. The southern kingdom of Judah was like, right? Another thing to put on the checklist. Then when Babylon took over Judah in the bottom, right? And they took them into slavery. Persia then, 70 years later, allowed them to come back. The northern kingdom wouldn't let them rebuild. They wanted to make a, a treaty with them, and they said, no, we're not going to do it. So they didn't like them for that. The northern kingdom made another temple in Gerizim. And the Jews didn't like that, right? The temple's in Jerusalem. That's the temple is. And we know from some of the books that aren't in the Bible, some of the Catholic books in the middle that we don't really read, that... At some point, Judah went up and they attacked the temple and they attacked Samaria. And then as a retaliation, those guys came down and just put bones into the temple during Passover. Now that was the biggest one. You don't do that. That made the temple unholy and they couldn't use it. So they just hated them. They hated them, hated them, hated them. Jesus didn't care one bit about that. He's going to travel through Samaria if he had the chance. So... Jesus was traveling on the border of Galilee and Samaria. He did not care about who you were. 
The second thing is Jesus stops to talk to lepers. He stops to talk to lepers. Well, why is that important? How does that show us love? Lepers at the time were considered unclean. You just don't do that. They were ostracized from society. They lived outside of town. But these guys had some, at some point heard or they knew who Jesus was, and so they called out to him, Jesus, have mercy on us. So he went over to them. I don't know how close he got, but he at least went over to them, close enough where he could talk to them. And then he told them to do something, right? Go to the priests, and you'll be well. So he talked to lepers. Jesus loves the unlovable. The unlovable in this situation, Samaritans and the lepers, right? People just don't love those people. Something else that Jesus did. He gave without the expectation of a reward. Hmm. Unconditional love, love in the unlovable. He gave without a condition of reward. And you look at the story and you're like, yeah, but the guy came back and Jesus was like, wasn't there nine of you? I don't think he was saying that to say, I need those guys to come back. Because if we read the story, we see that when he told them to be healed, all he did was say, go to the priest. He didn't say, come back here and thank me when you're done. He didn't say that at all. He just said, go to the priest, show yourself to the priest, you'll be well. So he gave of himself without any condition, without any expectation of reward. And for me, that's one of the biggest things because it's a problem, I think, in the church as a, as a whole because as, as uh, Americans, we're conditioned to want reward from a little kid as when we're growing up. That's how we're raised, right? I'll give you some examples of that, right? You, if you eat your vegetables, then you can get dessert, right? You eat your vegetables, you get dessert. Do something good, you get a reward. Um, if you do your chores, then you can get an allowance, right? I didn't get that, but we, we do that a lot. You do something good, you get a reward. Um, you go to school, you get good grades, then you can get on the dean's list, or you can get a scholarship, or we get into the school we want to get into, right? You do something good, you get a reward. Then you work all week long, you just struggle, and then at the end of the week, you get that paycheck, right? And then you work all your life so that one day you can retire well. We're, we're just conditioned from when we're little to, to give, give, give so that we can have a reward. And even in the church, we do that, right? We have preachers that say, if you give, God's going to bless you. If you do this, you'll get a blessing. If you blah, blah, you will get, right? And we want that. I've done that before. The offering plate, I'm like, I don't really want to give this, but I know if I give it, I'm going to get a blessing. So boom, take it. I'm not saying God won't bless us, but sometimes we do expecting the reward. And that's, I think that's a problem, and that's not what unconditional love does. It doesn't give to get a reward. And I'll say even mission trips sometimes are that way. My church went to Haiti one time. And you think, well, mission trips, you're giving of yourself, right? You're doing, but it's exciting, right? We went to a foreign country. That's exciting. We really wanted to go. I'd never been out of the country. So I got a reward for that, right? You go on a mission trip, you get a spiritual retreat. So you get blessed that way. Usually you do something fun. We went and hiked and did all these cool things. But what if you went on a missions trip or you gave and it didn't turn out the way you wanted to? It was a horrible experience. You didn't like anybody that you were going with. Right? 
Usually we go because we have friends with people. It rained all week and we had to work in the mud and we had to do this and nothing went right. And we didn't get to do anything fun. We didn't have any good food. We went hungry a couple of days. Will we still do it? Hmm, I don't know. Will we be willing to give a meal to someone if it cost us a meal? I don't know. Would we? A lot of times we're willing to give because we can, right? My dad has a good story about this. He was at a, a revival meeting one time, and um, he felt like God was calling him to give in the offering, whatever it was for, I don't know. But all he had was $5 in his wallet. That was it. And so he was like, all right, I'm going to give this $5, and at some point, somebody is going to give me money because he's like, I need gas to get home. My car will not make it home. I have to have gas in my car. But God is calling me to give my $5. So at some point, he's going to provide the gas, right? So he gives us $5. After the service, he's like just kind of mingling. He's waiting, and he's waiting for someone to just slip him that money, you know? Nobody does. He's like, I know. I'll go to the gas station, and someone's going to give me. They're going to fill up my tank for me. I know it. God's going to do that. And so he goes to the gas station. He kind of stands around. Nobody fills up his tank. And so he's like, well, we got to get home. So they dig around in the car. They find enough change, maybe a couple dollars, and they get enough gas to make it home. And God taught my dad a lesson that day, that when God tells you to do, you, you do it unconditionally. Because God told you to do it. You're being obedient. And you may not get the blessing that you want. But that's what God wants from his people is obedience. To love unconditionally. And there's a cost. There's a cost to unconditional love. To loving the unlovable. There's always a cost. Unfortunately. But here's the cost for Jesus. By going into Samaria, Jesus put himself in danger. He put his own body in danger, right? The Samaritans were famous for attacking people on the road if they traveled through. So the, the story of the Good Samaritan, that was based, it would have started, if that's a movie, it would start based on a true story, right? Because it happened all the time. So he put himself in danger. Sometimes if we're obedient to God, you know there's countries where Christianity is not legal, and so if you go there, you might get arrested or you might, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to sacrifice our own selves, right? If someone's on the side of the road or, and you stop, you're putting yourself in jeopardy. You don't know. Is that going to be a creepo or am I going to get hit by a car? I don't know. But unconditional love sometimes puts itself in danger. I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying if God is calling you to that position, sometimes you have to put yourself in danger. Unconditional love will sometimes put itself, uh, its reputation on the line. Jesus put his reputation on the line. Here he was, a rabbi, right? He was this teacher of the law. Thousands of people would talk to him. He was saying he's the Messiah, but yet he's talking to Samaritans and he's talking to lepers. Who does that, right? Even in the, in the New Testament, if you read it, um, people call him a Samaritan. They use that word on him, which was the worst insult you possibly could, right? Sometimes unconditional love puts our reputation on the line. What are people going to think if I talk to that person? If I'm hanging out with the weirdo at work, right? If I'm talking to the homeless person on the street, whatever it is, the drunk that keeps going up and down the road every day, what are people going to think about me, right? 
Sometimes unconditional love puts its reputation on the line. And it took Jesus valuable time to talk to these people, didn't it? We don't think about that. In the story, it took us all of three seconds to read that, but we know it had to take longer than that, right? It had to have taken longer than that. But Jesus was on a mission, right? We know he was the Messiah. He, was only on, he only had three years to convince the world that he was the Messiah. And he was on his way to Jerusalem. He didn't have time to stop and talk to a couple of lepers. Come on, guys, I'm the Messiah. What do you expect out of me? But he took time out to love the unlovable. Sometimes it takes our time. We see that person on the side of the road. I ain't got time for you. I have to get to McDonald's, <laughs> whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Sometimes it takes our valuable time to go visit someone in the hospital or spend time with that one coworker or a neighbor who's got the, always complaining about her hedges being too big or the branches in her yard or we don't rake our leaves. You know the people, okay? Sometimes it takes time. And this wasn't a problem for Jesus, but it's a problem for us because <laughs> he didn't have an ego but sometimes loving the unlovable makes us take a hit to our ego. Our pride gets hit. Man, we're prideful people sometimes, right? You ever done this? Hold the door open for someone. They walk through. They don't say anything, right? And as you walk away, you're like, well, you're welcome, right? <laughs> like you just saved the world. They could have probably held the door open themselves, right? That takes a hit to our pride. Man. What if you stopped to help somebody and never even said thank you? Oh my goodness. But loving the unlovable will take a hit to its pride. It will humble us. You will become humble if you love the unlovable. Now the unlovable, who are those people? I've been giving you examples this whole time. Um, for me, one of the biggest things is when I'm driving, right? Ah, that guy just going too slow or that guy just passed me or he just cut me off or Here's my thinking. People in Kentucky don't know how to drive. That's how I feel. <laughs> but we can love those people, right? And I tell this to people in our church too. Like We'll sit there and we'll talk to those people. Like Me being angry and ranting at them is going to change anything. They're in a whole other vehicle. They can't even hear what I'm saying. I'm changing nothing except for affecting who? Me. I'm not affecting their day. I'm affecting mine. But we can love those people. We can love our neighbors, the people at work, um, people maybe in our family, right? You know who the unlovable is in your own life. I've got them in mind, but God has called us to love the unlovable. And before we, um, the true cost of, of love is selflessness. That's the true cost. For us to quit looking at this, to quit looking at ourselves, and start looking at other people. That's the true cost of love. And I was going to put it up here, but it's true. The true cost of love is that it will cost you everything. If you really, really love. Because love is what changes people. It's love. Love is what changes. That's the cool thing about it. And before we go and, and you know, there's... You can talk about gratitude here too in this message, but before we ostracize and we knock down those nine people that didn't come back, I was thinking about it this week. Like, why didn't they, why didn't they come back? Why wouldn't you come back? 
I was thinking about it, and then it dawned on me, you know what? I probably wouldn't have come back either, to be honest with you. Because these people were lepers, right? They had been kicked out of society for a long time. And now, it was probably pretty cool on their way. They didn't even make it to the priest, by the way. They were just walking. We don't even know how far they got. And probably one looked at the other and was like, Hey, Jamaliel, you look at your face. Look at your face, man. It's all healed. And he's like, what? You too have been a dab. And he's like, what? I'm healed. And they're looking at each other. Right? The leprosy is gone. Like, woo! All right. So where do you think they went? They probably went home, right? They have not been home in for a long time, probably years. They haven't seen their wives, their families, their children, their whatever, their parents. They probably went home. I probably would have done the same thing. I probably would have took off. Not to say that you shouldn't go back and thank Jesus. You should definitely do that. But just the excitement of being healed and not being part of your family for that long, they probably just ran straight home and hugged their families. We probably all would do that, right? But going back to love, love changes things. Because the one who did come back, he came back because he realized who Jesus was. And the thing we need to remember about love is we don't win them over every single time. But we still got to love them anyway. Out of the ten, only one came back. And he came back because he realized who Jesus was. You see, these ten men had probably heard about Jesus. Maybe they watched him from a distance and they saw that he could give them stuff, right? Sometimes we're in the church, we're like that. Give me Jesus, bless me, bless me, give me, right? And that's what they wanted. And Jesus gave them that. But this one guy, the Samaritan, finally realized who Jesus was. And that caused him to come running and fall at Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, get up, your faith has made you well. And I was thinking about that. He was already healed. Jesus didn't take the healing away from those other nine either. So what was he healed from? He was already healed. It was a spiritual healing, right? He'd done it before in the New Testament. The guy who came from the ceiling, right? He said, you're forgiven, your faith has made you well. Not a healing on the outside, but a healing on the inside. And that's what love does. Love causes people to see Jesus for who he really is. So we have to love the unlovable, no matter what the cost. Whoever it is that God's calling you to love today, he wants you to do it, he wants you to be obedient, even if it costs you everything, so that they can find Jesus Christ. That's what he wants. And there was some Pharisees trying to get Jesus to um, trip him up, right? So they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, first, both of them have to do with love. Both of them. First, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is your whole being, if you didn't realize. (laughs) That's everything you are. Love the Lord your God. The second He said, it's just like it. They're almost level. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he tells the disciples later, he said, there's only one thing that's going to tell people who you are, truly are, that you're my followers. It's not your t-shirt you wear. It's not a protest sign you might hold up. It's not a book you carry around. It's not the fact that you drove here and walked into this building today. There's only one thing that tells people that you follow Christ one and that's love 
Love will tell people who you truly are. And love will change lives. So let's go out and let's love the unlovable. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word today and this example that you've given us. And if we need to know what we need to do for our lives, we just look to you because you've given us the answers. And may we go out there and love the unlovable. It's not easy to do. Give us strength that we need. Give us the humility that we need so that we can change the world around us through love. And we can only love because you have loved us, and we thank you so much for that. So go with each one as they go into their own mission field that the world could be changed through you and through love. In Jesus' name, amen.